is just great. Welcome to the third. Oh, I spelled third with a J. Welcome to the third episode of the Magical Ghouls podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, folks, friends, and ghosts, this twilight hour we will discuss the cruel deaths and possible ghostly hauntings aboard the mystifying ship, the Queen Mary. This episode, we're going to crack open stories that have been floating around for years, while also revealing hidden secrets about these stories that might make their credibility that might make their credibility shudder. As always, I'm your host Sage, and I'm Willoughby, <laughs> and we're off to a great start. Happy New Year's, ladies and gentlemen! It is finally 2021, and the Magical Woo! Ghouls hiatus is coming to a close. We had to take some time off for finals, for the holidays, you know, we were so busy staying indoors, doing nothing. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. terrible. But we've had each other, and we have been just, I've been reading ghost stories. I've been freaked out at night, you know? Just the usual. Oh yeah, creepypastas forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, by the way, I really like the introduction, floating around. Boats float. Floating. Floating. Yeah. I'm very easily entertained. I wanted to do something other than credibility and shudder. I wanted to do something that had to do with waves, but I couldn't think of anything. I haven't been making the smartest decisions today. I mean, I'm sure you're wondering why my headphones are upside down under <laughs> my chin, and that's because I was like, I'm going to dye my hair before the podcast so that it can sit while we're podcasting, and then I can rinse it out after. And then I was like, oh, headphones go on your head. Fun facts. And, Willoughby, will you take it away with the history of the Queen Mary for us? So, yes, the history of the Queen Mary. The Queen Mary is one of my favorite paranormal or allegedly haunted locations for so many reasons. It's just so history-rich, very tragic, very romantic, all around. And every time I enter it or every time I visit it with friends or even family... I just become completely entranced by it, and it's absolutely gorgeous. I I can't even begin to explain how much I love this place. So, with that, we're just going to do a couple quick bullet points, not too long. And I want you to teach me, teach me the history. Teaching you the history, history with Willoughby. Hey, that's, that (laughs) slaps. (laughs) <laughs> we're getting a little i'm gonna bring like a little triangle just ding yeah this is gonna turn into the musical goals really quick <laughs> musical episode coming soon maybe wink <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're still gonna get the third one out we've already planned side projects <laughs> spin-offs Alrighty, so the queen mary queen mary herself was built in the 1930s in clydebank scotland and was made to be a revolutionary ship in which no one has ever seen before. However, during construction, there were many setbacks due to it being construction uh, during the Great Depression. So, obviously, funds were very limited, and because the United States was a global superpower or arising to that, whatever happened there kind of affected the rest of the world. The project... It was actually, it wasn't even known as the Queen Mary at the time. It was just known as job number 534. No name, no nothing, because of all the setbacks. Gotta start somewhere, y'all. Gotta start somewhere. You gotta start, you start as a number, and then you find your way to the top and make, make it your own thing. Make it your own beauty there. 
After many years of stalled constructions and no expenses spared whatsoever, it eventually found its way to become the beautiful, beautiful luxury ship, or luxury cruise ship. And legends report that it was actually originally named the Queen Victoria after King George's grandmother. And it also follows some regular, like, royal protocols when it comes to naming ships and whatnot. Complicated system, won't dive into that today. We're just gonna move on uh, past that. However, King George didn't really like his grandma, apparently. So he's like, no, we're not gonna name that ship Queen Victoria. Are you kidding me? He's like, I'm gonna name it after my wife, the Queen Mary. And you can't say no, because I'm the king. And that's what happened. So with that, it was originally known after it opened to the public and stuff. It was a luxury cruise line where people just went aboard for parties and just leisure activities. But obviously after the Great Depression, shortly after World War II began. And the luxury cruise ship was not so luxurious anymore. And after just a couple of years of opening, it got reverted reverted into a warship. It's beautiful, bright colors of reds, blues, whites got painted over and the ship, the entirety of the ship, gray. And because it was one of the fastest ships for its time, it got dubbed the name, there was a nickname that it was dubbed, and that was the Gray Ghost. Able to hide itself through the fog, slip past, slipping past enemies as it carries the multiple soldiers on board to their destinations. And, and let me tell you, World War II, whenever that gets brought up, it gets very messy. And it, so many people have passed on board from illness, potential murders, suicides. It, I'm sure wounds that couldn't be healed. You only have so oh, yeah. many resources on a boat. For sure. And in fact, little tidbit to that, because there were so many reported bodies on that ship during World War II, or the World War II era, a lot of the bodies just had to get dumped overseas. Yikes. And they were just MIA because they couldn't store the bodies anywhere else. Literally, the coolers and all that were full. And yeah. And obviously, you know, when it when it comes to more like the paranormal history, that's not really good. Especially, you know, the longing, the the emotions that are attached to it. It's it's terrible. But Afterwards, after World War II, when the ship was finally retired, they're like, we don't really need the ship anymore. Like, you know, who wants to buy it? And so there was an auction for that ship. And there were multiple cities that placed an auction, as well as renovation plans for the ship. And some of these include, I believe, somewhere on the East Coast, they wanted to buy the ship and turn it into a floating high school. Another state wanted to buy it and turn it... A missed opportunity. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine, like, being a high schooler and be like, hey, yo, that's my school on a boat? Prom's really complicated (laughs) because if you go to prom drunk, you're falling off. Oh, no. I didn't even think about that. Yikes. (laughs) Sorry. When you go to Um, prom drunk. When. Not if. When. Another state wanted to purchase the ship once it retired and turn it into a floating hotel slash casino resort. So, you know, 
gambling on the ocean. However, ultimately, a little city named Long Beach finally came in with the highest bid and purchased the ship. And that is where the Queen Mary lies to this day, just as a museum, as well as a hotel. So obviously, I feel like we won because <laughs> we were able to preserve the ship as much as we can while learning all about it, but still being able to take in the beauty of it all. And I think it's great. I agree. And it's crazy how we've been able to preserve, like you said, the history and all of the... It's not architecture because it's not a building. We, we'll call it craftsman's craft. We'll call it craftsmanship inside the ship. Um, all of the detailing and every room that was preserved behind glass. And you've got uh, miraculous pieces in there that have seen like a hundred years worth of people and new faces. Uh, and the fact that you can still go on it and walk in there really is a treasure in itself. I mean, a lot of people do go because it is supposed to be one of the one of the haunted wonders of the world. But really, really genuinely go if you can, just for the fact that it went to all those places, did all of those things, carried men, women, and children uh, across the world during those war times, had such a complicated and unknown history. Um, the Queen Mary really Absolutely. is this flagship of triumph and strength, especially, you know, I know for the U.S., but um, even more than that, just as one of the greatest ships ever built. I mean, in 1942, uh, the Queen Mary split uh, this ship called the Curacao in half and uh, put 430 of their crew out in the water and only 99 survived. I mean... Yeah, it's, it's, it is a force to be reckoned with, and it is tragedies like the Curacao, though, that lead us into people believing that it's haunted. From the Curacao alone, a lot of people say that you can hear screams in the bow of the ship where she made contact with it. Essentially, during World War II, she had to make zigzag patterns um, in order to stay completely hidden, and so she couldn't be tracked. But she had ships going along with her. And at some point there was a miscalculation on who was going to be where. And, well, kind of like if a pedestrian walks out in front of a three-ton vehicle. It's not like they can just put on the brakes. And uh, that's just one of many tragedies that she's seen. And we mentioned the deaths during World War II from, I mean, everything on the book. Um, and so that and that's draws... only the, the deaths that were recorded. Who knows how many countless other records that were lost during the time period? Because, you know, everyone was so hesitant. Everyone was paranoid. Everyone had so many conflicting problems, traumas, you name it. Yeah, they didn't even it was keep unknown. records during World War II. They just gave up. I mean, the people who died during that era were never even written down. Just MIA. Just, if your husband didn't come home, at some point he probably died out there. But you don't know if it was on the ship or not. So, you've got probably hundreds of unaccounted for souls that may have been lost on that ship as well. Not all the deaths were undocumented. There were quite a few that were documented. According to the ship's archives, John Petter was an 18-year-old labor man who worked on the Queen Mary uh, in the 60s. And... 
very his story is very famous. Famously, he was crushed Ooh. to death by a mechanical door in the engine room um, when the Queen sailed the Atlantic during the early morning hours of July 10th, 1966. One of the reasons this caught so much attention is that the door's number was door 13. Another reason it got a lot of attention is that no one really knows what happened to John Petter. They say that it could have been a drill and he was playing chicken, jumping back and forth between the door. It's about a 10 ton door, 8 to 10 ton door that closes to close off the hull of the ship in case water gets in, there's fire, any kind of thing like that. And this thing is made of steel. I mean, it is insanity. Um, but they also don't know if he just didn't make it out in time or any he was pushed. I mean, Potential the theories sabotage. go deep and go wild. Absolutely. Um, and so John Petter is seen, uh, reportedly seen, down in, like, the boiler room, the hull, the engine, like, uh, where the turbines are, the engine room. Uh, and cameras were even set up to monitor that activity and see if it was actually there. Which all sounds like common knowledge, but there's an angle to this that is not usually viewed, and that's why we're here. John Petter's sister actually reached out to the Telegraph in the UK to submit an interview claiming that all of the marketing off of her brother's death was uh, an insult. You're setting up cameras, you're publicizing and profiting off of somebody, some 18-year-old getting squished to death. And she said it made the memory really hard to let go for her whole family. The extended family. All of it. The Petters are just known for that. And her argument is that, why can't you just let him rest? And she doesn't believe in any of the footage or any of the reports that he's seen there, but... Because ultimately, it, it's being used for publicity being used and stuff for like publicity, that. publicity, and she says if people really are seeing him, it's because they're keeping him trapped there with the energy. And that's something we talked about a lot with the Disneyland episode, is, you know, what energy mm -hmm. you bring into something. But it's a new angle to imagine you also, can keep somebody trapped. Yeah, and I would like to add to that, because normally... Petter is a very infamous spirit on the Queen Mary. Almost everyone who goes to there always wants to go to the boiler room, wants to investigate door number 13. And it made me think and realize, hey, when it comes to door number 13 and the spirit trapped in there, people, especially paranormal investigators, like professional paranormal investigators or even amateur paranormal investigators, always describe a very dense, dark evil, malicious energy and or vibe, quote unquote. And it made me realize, okay, is there an evil force? Who knows, right? Be but because now that you're you're talking about how they won't let him rest, maybe it Petter is manifesting this negative energy only due to him being publicized for something, a very tragic death. It was shocking. It was very slowly, very gruesome, because as you mentioned, it's a it's a very heavy steel door and it's crushing a man to death. And so because maybe he does want to be laid to rest, maybe he doesn't want to be known as only the spirit who got crushed. Maybe he's upset because 
You know, his family is literally being used for profit. And so potentially that spirit, it's not necessarily malicious due to him being a bad person, but it could be malicious because of the unfair treatment of his death as well as the afterlife. Well, and that raises the question, let's say it's a given. Let's say a scientific discovery has just been made. Ghosts are real. And creatures from the afterlife or if it's a parallel universe or something along those lines, if they can reach out to us, is this how they do become malicious? Because people seek after them and do not let them rest. And is that that entrapment just a slow building rage that churns over time? And we're talking a lot of time. I mean, granted, 1966 was not that long ago, but you've got some from the 20s and, you know, you've <laughs> you've got places we'll talk about eventually like other hotels, which commonly are seen as haunted because a lot goes down in hotels, especially in the United States. Um, but you have this whole stigma for hundreds of years of trying to find places that are haunted. And especially when it comes down to specific people, I think when you know their name, they say the name gives it power. And I think that that mm -hmm. builds rage when it's in a way just being used or, you know, we don't know the power of our words if we don't know the power of what we're messing with. And again, that's saying given mm -hmm. that everything is there. Um, coming from the, spec the skeptics side, um, I even I can see that as potential because we don't have any idea what we're messing with. And, of course, that's why this podcast is here, to try to explore about haunted places and see what is out there and if there are any answers. Watch us just, like, make a huge, like, discovery in, like, the paranormal world just because, you know. The comments would be blowing up and we'd be like, what? <laughs> we're just, like, we wake up and we're like, huh, what's happening today? And then, boom. And it's also true that a lot of the legends tend to overlap. So oh, I know, yes, yes. Willoughby, we've talked a lot about Jackie, Dana, the woman in white, these illustrious, mysterious women that are believed to be women or children that were taken from, uh, it was the war brides and the, the children that were delivered coast to coast uh, during wartime when she was the Grey Ghost and she was transporting troops. She was also transporting uh, war brides and children to safe locations or to be reunited with their husbands if they were there. Um, and so there's a lot of these women that people see around the deck. Yeah. So it's interesting because, especially with the women, they don't necessarily have any names associated with them. There's typically very vague descriptions on them. There's not even, like, a time period. Obviously, with other other spirits and stuff, we could point to, oh, yeah, during the World War II, around, X, like, this year and this year. Or we have specific dates for them, for at least for those on record. But, for example, Dana. Dana is reportedly a young girl who was potentially murdered in room B474, with her entire family by her father. So it's reported that her, uh, her father did terrible things to the family in terms uh, her two little sisters and her mother were found strangled on the bed and 
Dana and her father were found in the bathroom with gunshot wounds. We don't have any hard evidence, which is why we say all this is just possible. There's no concrete, hard, factual evidence that we have of a murder, which is why we state possibly murdered. We don't know the details that'll give us definite answers. However, there have been reports of a little girl named Dana, who now likes to play in the cargo area and is often heard uh, trying to call out for her mother. And sometimes Dana can also be heard somewhere in the boiler room running around, as well as the second-class pool. Which brings us to our next spirit, and that is the spirit of Jackie. Now, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, and why the Queen Mary means so much to me. My first, the first time I fell in love with everything paranormal, and when I definitely wanted to learn more about the unknown, was when I was in elementary school. And Cartoon Network had this show called The Outsiders? The Other Siders? I like, I'm actually learning from this a lot because I didn't know about uh, Dana's family killing her. That's not yeah, a story I've it's, ever heard. It's, or at least I don't remember. There's so many, like, that's what I find so fascinating because everything's so vague. There have been so many theories and possibilities online and they say oh they got from xyz but there's no hard evidence to back any of this up which is why learning about the paranormal is so difficult and obviously trying to just learn more about everything it's it's a little bit more difficult but jackie so cartoon network had the show obviously scripted but one of my favorite episodes that i remember doing or watching was the one they did on the queen mary and how they try to contact this little girl named jackie who was heard in the swimming pool, singing, playing around, and stuff like that. I was always fascinated. And it's interesting because Ghost Adventures actually also covered the Queen Mary. And they were also trying to contact a girl named Jackie. Playing with the ball. They got the ball to roll in the swimming pool. Yeah, there's there's stuff that went down. However, this is where it gets a little confusing. There are times where it's just a matter of, I don't even know how to do this. Because it's like the matter of evidence. Because there were so many records that were lost, we don't know anything. Is Jackie a little girl? Potentially. Is Jackie an evil spirit trying to cling on to you and she's actually a demon? Potentially. Because <laughs> when it comes to the paranormal and small children... Oh, no. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to <laughs> the paranormal and small children, malicious spirits and demons try to disguise themselves as something innocent so that they are able to latch onto your energy and drain you and potentially possess you. I don't you. like that at all. However, I don't like the imagery of a small <laughs> child, like, on my jeans that I can't shake off. Ugh. I don't... And being in a room <laughs> with an empty pool, I don't... I don't like that. I don't like it. I don't vibe with it. I don't like it. And the only re <laughs> The only reason I say to be cautious is because there are no records as to a little girl named Jackie. Now, there... Reports of her death was that she fell and drowned in the swimming pool. But there had been no... At, when looking back and asking the employees and, like, the record keeper or whatever, there is no reports of any little girl named Jackie. There was no reports of somebody drowning in a swimming pool. So, where is this information coming? Well, why would the pool? why would the pool have been full during wartime? Exactly. 
So and that's when records weren't kept. So it's like, okay, you know, getting into some uneven ground. So you're kind of alluding to the fact that she could be either made up by a demon or she's real or she's real and evil. <laughs> Who knows? Because people have reported hearing little nursery rhymes and even ghost adventures, Zach Bagans and his crew caught evidence of a ball rolling and they even heard singing. Yeah, we love so... when creepy, unattached <laughs> voices are singing nursery rhymes. And it's always the ch small children. I don't like it. I am I can be a little bit paranoid sometimes when it comes to the paranormal because it's the unknown and I don't want no negative energy. I take my crystals. I. Well, yeah, now I'm just afraid of babies. <laughs> like little demon babies. Like, how do you know that thing is real? <laughs> you don't. How you do you don't. Know? Ooh, I wish you could put that sentence back in your mouth, man. Now I'm just gonna be tripping out forever. Little demon Put that babies. sentence back in your mouth. Little, just imagine like a little small like elementary school kid just latching onto your leg, and you're trying to shake them off, but they're just nope. No, I don't. I don't like that. I don't like that at all, man. I don't condone children, children violence, child abuse, until that is your situation. Don't look back. Don't fucking. I mean, don't, don't care. I was going to say a sentence, but then it would be like, <laughs> I was going to say if a demon child latches on, just like punt them like a football and run. Don't look back. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Don't like that at all. Everything that was just said, don't like it. Not, not a vibe. It's not child abuse if it's not a child. It's a demon. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is why I do not sleep at night. We haven't slept in three years, guys. It's been it's been a long time. I, I, yeah, it's been too long since I've slept properly. So, moving on from small demon, potential demon, potential demon. I'm raising my hands up. Potential demon babies. We have we're gonna move on to a more light-hearted spirit, a reported spirit on the Queen Mary, and that is the woman in white. Note, no name associated to her. She's just woman in white, which is also funny because in other instances where you look at a haunted location, whether it be a house or the side of a road, there's often a lot of vague descriptions of women, whether it be the woman in white, woman in black, woman in lace. What is up with that? Don't know. But this is another Are they the new Salem story witches? Are female ghosts just the new, like... <laughs> You see a woman wearing <laughs> now white and everybody's like, ghost! <laughs> Bad! Ghost! Yep. You learn how to read and write. They're everywhere. They're totally the reason I drive. I, I drunk, dr I crashed. I wasn't drunk. It was a woman in white. You sounded I really don't drunk, know what right happened there. having a strunk. <laughs> you eat one chip and you... <laughs> you don't reveal to the audience I'm eating chips and guac right now. <laughs> Well, chips and guac me. is a good combo. You can never go wrong with chips and guac. It was the woman in white. The woman in white compelled me. She made me do it. <laughs> I should totally let you finish so, talking about the woman in white because I just like made that up. Many based on the two sentences. Vague romantics. I have a strong. Welcome to the stroke podcast, guys. <laughs> We didn't we're, sit down and go, let's do we're this thing. We're totally yeah. not two delusional broke college students. No, 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 no. Definitely not just hoping for the best. 
Anyway, <laughs> woman in white, we're going to do this. <laughs> All right, woman in white. She <laughs> so th- She's described as a young and beautiful w- woman who likes to dance. I'm distracting Willoughby to the high max. She likes to, I'm sorry. yeah, she likes to dance. That's her dance move. Sage is going off. Just continue to throw me under the bus. Sage is just vibing with her chips and guac, and I respect that. Look at her. So, young, beautiful lady. Very, rom- like, romance movie-esque. She... She dances to unheard music in the salon, which was at one point the main lounge. And she is known and or described to wear a white or off-whitish evening gown. Now, this gown has also been rumored to be a wedding dress. You know, as we mentioned, World War II, war brides, potentially her waiting for her lover to come back, or maybe her dancing with her lover. Different, it, it varies depending on who tells the story. The piano that she would dance to and or even sit sit down by is now near the bar in the main ho- like the main lobby and there's even like a little placard on there that says hey the woman in white is often found here like take pictures <laughs> people have heard p- the piano going off being played by itself in like the like 3 a.m witching hour time patrons they're like oh who's playing that beautiful piano when they go out the staff is like nobody played it we don't know how to play the piano. What you heard was the woman in white. Do you think the woman in white is just the maiden from the Ghost of Maiden's Peak? I don't know if our audience knows what that is, but it is a very old episode of the Pokemon series I had on VHS. And it's so sad, but it's about a lady waiting for her husband to return from war, but he's fucking dead. Oh, no. <laughs> That's all I can imagine when I hear about the Queen Mary woman of white. Not necessarily the other ones, but definitely the Queen yeah, Mary one. Yeah, and it's interesting because the woman in white, it's like you're, it's like your very traditional, like, not so much war movie, but just like your romance film where you see the woman longing for her lover to return from who knows what, what kind of, um, what's the word? Like expedition or whatever. And it's it's definitely like viewing it through rose-colored glasses in that sense, where she's very like neat, tidy, she dances, she plays music, you know? But she isn't reported to be like a malicious spirit whatsoever. She's she's just vibing, honestly. And people have actually reported seeing her apparitions, and that's where we get that white or off-white evening gown. Where because it's enough appearance enough or it's enough appearance enough it's enough the apparition is visible enough to where they can make out said outfit. Oh, there she is. You're gonna make me cry. I <laughs> so had to sad. send you a screenshot from the episode so you know what I was talking about. Tis sad. Tis oh that one to one aspect ratio. Anyway, it is interesting that you've got somebody there who we talked about being trapped in rage. What about being trapped in sorrow? You know, she's dancing because she knows she's stuck there, but there could be an overwhelming sadness that keeps her there because people are there just to view her, you know, or maybe she's making the most of it. Maybe she's like, well, if people are going to come here just to see me, then I'm going to put on a show because she is nameless. So there isn't really 
pain to her family or anything. Yeah. And maybe if her husband passed away, maybe that was all she had. Maybe she's still waiting for him to come back. Could be waiting. It could be sorrow. Could be potentially hope-filled or reminiscing or remorseful. Or because maybe she doesn't even know that she waited so long that she passed on. She could just be waiting for eternity in the sense that, oh, you know, I'm just reliving my daily life, almost kind of like Groundhog Day, where right. they're repeating their actions senselessly. Well, and there isn't that until, of, of gloom know, and knows doom what or the, the horrendous feelings of dread or anything that uh, we talked about with Door 13, or like the most notorious, which is Room B340. Lot of stories on this one. Lots of contradicting statements. And one quick jump over to the Queen Mary website would show you that it is highly publicized and highly sought after. And they making cash money, man. They are capitalizing on this like nobody's business. <clears throat> so, B340. The most notorious mm -hmm. room at the Queen Mary with one of the most notorious stories that used to be my favorite story. The times that Willoughby and I have gone together, I would have killed to go in that room, ironically. And the story goes as follows. And this is a very gruesome, gory tale, so a little warning for you there. The story went that there was a man sailing on uh, the liner when she was a cruise liner, and he had either attempted to murder or murder another passenger, but at the time, he couldn't go into the isolation bay, the little jail that they had set up, because it was either full or there were people down there sick who were in quarantine. So instead, he was locked in room B340 and two guards were posted outside. His meals, I guess they would like open the door and like push his mail in or I don't remember if they just like cut a little hole in the door. <clears throat> if it's the original door. I would I believe assume the door's so. been replaced. So the only time he would ever get anything from the outside is when he got his meals. And one day they went to give him his dinner and he wouldn't eat it. So they asked, you know, why are you not eating? And he said, well, there's a person in here that isn't letting me eat. He, he won't let me do it. And they said, nobody's in there with you. You've had two of the same guards posted outside for like the last three days. There's nobody in there. There's no way anyone could get in there. We're in the middle of the ocean and the little port window doesn't even open. Then one night, they heard the most blood-curdling, terrifying screams of a century. He clawed at the front door trying to escape, banging on walls, banging on the port window, absolutely acting like an animal, trying to claw himself out of this small, cramped little cabin space. He said he was being attacked. He was being murdered. The screams were so horrific that the guards had to get somebody and ask if they could go inside. But they said that the man was just throwing a diversion because no one had been inside or outside for nearly a week. The next morning they slipped him his breakfast and they didn't hear a thing. So then a supervisor decided to open the door. And when the man went inside, he saw nothing except for pieces of what was once a human spread out across the room. Limbs everywhere, intestines strung up on the beds, blood coating the entire oh my gosh. room. There was no part of him left that looked like a part of a human being. As if he had gone through a meat grinder and Oh my god! How would that even be possible? And the mystery that it was shrouded in 
blew my mind. I was going to say, he, like... Because this was, this happened evidently during, you know, a time of uh, luxury cruises and, and, you know, the Queen Mary was brand and fresh. So, Willoughby and I started digging. And I know I dug a very, very deep hole. Come to find out that when Disney purchased the Queen Mary in order to try to make uh, essentially like a haunted mansion out of the Queen Mary, <coughs> almost like an extension of it, somebody had the bright idea to make that up. Hold, hold, hold on. Pause. 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 What? Hold on. No, 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 no. Okay. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. First off, first off, first off. That Disney tie-in, though. Right. Second of all. <laughs> second of all. There's a lot of mystery. I will say, there's a lot of mystery. I, as mentioned, Sage is the one who dug the the, the most for, for the story. And I've only scratched the surface. I knew that B340 is the most notoriously haunted place. For what reason? I don't know. I thought... I thought it was because someone died in a horrible way. I thought it was because, who knows, right? And then, only to find out the most gruesome story that makes sense for this to be notoriously haunted is just thrown away by a multi-billion dollar company because they wanted to promote a ride. Funny that we opened with Because Disney. keep in mind, if we're looking back, we are again. that Disney Haunted Mansion film that came in, what, the 2000s? Was based on that ride. So the fact that Disney, I, I'm, I'm upset. <laughs> Disney had the audacity. From 1988 to 1992, Disney operated the Queen Mary in Long Beach. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know that they operated the How Queen Mary. How did that end up happening? Disney, please. Please. Quickest answer is that Disney CEO Michael Eisner wanted to own the Disneyland Hotel. He wanted that to be the hotel. There's a lot more that goes into that that's a lot more complicated. There were a lot of people that came in and out of the project because it ended up being a failed project. So there were a lot of people on and off, a lot of back and forth statements, a lot of this, a lot of that, and a lot of rumors started for exactly like you said, publicity. I'm going to cry. So this was actually before it was a museum or anything else. Um, so it was purchased by the city of Long Beach for $3.45 million. And it was too large to go to the Panama yep. Canal. So. It juried through South America Cape. It arrived in Long Beach. And there were a lot of people going, well, okay, we have a boat, but what do we do with it? I'm going to start crying. Um, it opened in May of 1971 and all it was was a ship. And then Disney was like, hey, I like that boat. There were a lot of different operators handling all these different aspects, as mentioned. It was losing millions of dollars for the city each year. So they realized they had to do something with it. And that's when they got a 66-year lease with, uh, I think it was Rather Port Properties, uh which was associated with Disney and did all of their communications and all of that fun stuff. Rather and his wife, who was a former actress, had sailed on the ship a lot when it used to be a liner. 
and so they already had a particular love for it. So yeah, people started making friends and doing this, that, or the other thing. She was the Queen Mary Spruce Goose when they got together with one of the biggest aircraft carriers um, and other big air vessels from the war. They were trying to turn it into an attraction. It really was I would like to interject working. by saying this quote, and I'm only going to start crying because I read this quote, which, which, which then actually in turn gives me more questions than answers, right? So Disney publicity, whatever. The most reported, this is a quote, the most reportedly haunted room, stateroom B340, on the Queen Mary was left behind by Disney, but not by paranormal investigators and amateur sleuths. Right? So let's say, for argument's sake, Disney, well, yeah, Disney, Disney created this, right? Just like, just like, just like the cameras. The quote continues, that haunted room had left a different fate. When Disney left the Queen Mary, they locked up B340 and left it behind. It stayed sealed for decades, and the longer it stayed inaccessible, the more the legends around that the haunted room grew. So, end quote. Because now I'm just doing my own research on the side as Sage is explaining the story to me because I find it unbelievable. You know, as a firm believer of the paranormal, I am livid because Disney messes things up again. When you said port, I thought (laughs) my brain said portabella mushroom. (laughs) Portabella Disney. (laughs) They wanted to make port Disney, man. Okay, so now I have more questions than answers because for for years I just knew and so many people have known Queen Mary specifically for B3 for B340 but now apparently everything's fake and and Disney had say in what what they described as haunted which was actually fake how 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 do you explain I like I'm sure obviously with the history of it there are certain spirits definitely tied down but how come B340 is still the most haunted is it because as Sage mentioned earlier, the power of suggestion and the manifestation of the energy due to it surrounded, just like everybody focuses and believes this thing to be haunted. So then it actually became true and haunted. And that's why the energy in there is so malicious. And it was radical. It was radical energy because there was this competition with the actual Disneyland when they were trying to build Port Disney that they needed to have it pick up as much ground as humanly possible to be able to get off and and go with it that there were a million different seeds being thrown in the pot and a million different things growing changing becoming different things and i'm sure you can tell everybody listening how do they offer that hotel room today how when you book a room with b340 how much does it cost and what do you get in the all righty the fun time of the night (laughs) One each. You do know this. Each. I do know this because I did so much research because I wanted to stay in there with my friends because the Queen Mary roped me in. So each night that you stay, a single night, the most expensive room, stateroom B340, is minimum $500 a night. $500 to stay in that room. And what do they do? They refurbished it. They remodeled it. And in that package, when you go in, 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 on the coffee table there, you are given a Ouija, a Ouija board. You are given, I believe, a candle, uh, a crystal ball. I believe some tarot cards. Not too sure on the tarot cards. But you are given this package to manifest spirits in there with you. And on top of that, when you go into the bathroom of the stateroom, on, next to the mirror on the wall, it is, 
it teaches you how to play Bloody Mary, which is another game associated with the Queen Mary. You can connect the dots there. But that is there. It's like, oh yeah, turn off the lights, say Bloody Mary three times, turn around, whatever. On top of that, you are given these items to manifest, quote unquote, spirits, demons, whatever. The so other side. with things they don't understand, giving you tools like a crystal ball, a Ouija board, all of the, the Bloody Mary thing. There's all these quotes on this pillar on the inside and little stories about how this man's entrails were found everywhere. You can find that story everywhere yep. online. Now, as a closing statement, I want to say one thing, and it kind of goes back to what I had mentioned in the beginning. And I know Willoughby agrees with me because it's the real reason we go to the Queen Mary, because I don't want to slam the people that own her now, and I definitely want to see her preserved. There was a wonderful article by a man named John, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to say it's John Campaign. And if I'm messing that up, I apologize. And he wrote an article in the Skeptical Inquirer about the power of suggestion, uh, which we've talked about, um, both Disneyland and with the Queen Mary, that, you know, the more energy you bring into a place and, and this, that, and the other thing, and rumors spread, and your brain is so susceptible to the power of suggestion, because if you don't, if you're not told a place is haunted, or you're not told you're going to see a ghost, you're probably less likely to see it. But one very good point that Mr. Campaign makes is people go there for the haunted thrill ride. They're not going for the history, and they're not going for the craftsmanship, and they're not going for to like live to to experience such a historical and amazing piece of. It's like walking in art. You're you're walking in a literal legend. So, I will say, go to the Queen Mary. I'm not going to say don't spend your money on them because, frankly, they need it. And desperation like that is probably what leads people to making up these rumors. And we hope they don't have the dastard effects that we say they do or that we think they do. But go and experience the history and go to the museum and go on the tours and do your own research. Because it is a beautiful beautiful thing that exists and it is so fun to wander up and down the halls and if your mind's play if your mind is playing tricks on you maybe absolutely it's not maybe there really is something creaking in the bow of the queen mary <laughs> but anyway that is gonna about wrap us up for part one of our little queen mary two-parter here Ooh. logging off now <laughs> i'm sage and i'm willoughby <laughs> and we'll see you guys soon Stay crazy. Damn it. <laughs> okay. Um, I really have to stop. Today's lesson in the Magical Ghouls podcast is to stop using fucking filler. Oh, I said a bad word. Don't put that in. <laughs>